From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of NAPS Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. One of the most important decisions active and retired postal employees make each year is the choice of Federal Employees Health Benefits Program plan that they are going to enroll in. This choice is not made solely on behalf of the employee or the retiree, but also on behalf of his or her family unit. Currently, FEHBP insures about 8.2 million Americans. Obviously, plan choice at times can be a complicated decision. Certain illnesses, medical treatments, or medications can inform one's FEHBP choice, as well as whether a member participates in Medicare or the Veterans Administration Health System. Also, premium changes are a factor. And finally, new health plans may enter FEHBP, and some may depart. It goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, medical coverage is an important recruiting tool for the federal government and the postal workforce. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to NAPS Chat, the Office of Personnel Management's Jay Fritz. It's an annual NAPS Chat tradition for Jay to pay us a visit at the start of the yearly FEHBP open season. This is the fifth year in a row Jay has been with us. Jay Fritz is OPM's Manager for Outreach and Program Services, which means he's in charge of FEHBP Open Season. Jay began at the Office of Personnel Management in 1991 and has been engaged in the FEHBP ever since. That's more than three decades Jay has negotiated FEHB contracts with insurers and worked with enrollees, agencies, and FEHBP participating plans. Before we start today, I would just like to state for the record, we are not going to talk about the still year-away open season for the new Postal Service Health Benefits Plan. There's still a lot of planning and prep work going on. There will be a time for that podcast, but it's not now. So with that as a preface, welcome back to NAPS Chat, Jay. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be back for another year. I think you said it was our fifth year. Fifth year. The time has gone by quickly. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Let's start by talking about the dates for the 2023 open season and how FEHBP participants will be able to engage in it. So FEHB, well, the federal benefits open season, we always want to emphasize it's the federal benefits open season because it also encompasses the Federal Employees Dental and Vision Insurance Program and also the Federal Flexible Spending Account Program for active, um, active federal employees and postal employees. So we always try to get that out of the way. I know there's a lot of emphasis on FEHB. From the OPM perspective, FEHB is just one part of the three. So, uh, But the dates for this year's open season for the 2024 plan year – uh, will be from Monday, November 13th through Monday, December the 11th. Uh, and again, that's for FEHB Health Insurance, uh, FedVIP Dental and Vision Insurance Program, and for employees, the FSA Feds, Federal Flexible Spending Account Programs. And uh, starting the 13th, that means we're we're now one week out, one, one week until, until we begin. Now, Jay, FEHBP participants I've been speaking with are surprised and some are very disappointed by the increase in FEHBP premiums for the upcoming year. 
I think on average, participants will be paying about 7.7% more in health premiums in 2024 than they did in 2023. This follows last year's increase of 8.7%. At the same time, the government or the Postal Service's share of the premium is going up by only 5%. Let me add that not all plans are increasing their premiums, however. Could, could you explain the reason for the increase and the difference between the enrollee and the employee sh employer share? Yeah, I mean, the overall increases, as, as everyone knows, there's costs are going up. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, we unfortunately kind of have to accept every year. But, you know, the increases that FEHB are seeing uh, pretty much are in line with other large employers are seeing in their premium increases. Uh, some of the increase, the drivers of the increases are uh, just overall increase in cost, inflation, and uh, utilization. There's a lot of increase in utilization, prescription drugs, uh, emergency care services, and also outpatient care is what we're seeing at OPM. But when it comes to other employers, we're relatively in line with a lot of the other large employers that we benchmark ourselves against. Uh, some plans of course, have gone up. Some plans stay the same, and some there are a few that actually have gone down in cost. Um, and I know for the postal, um, I know there are different contribution rates for postal employee categories. I believe the postal service is moving away from those. So some of the enhanced contributions that postal employees got in the past, some of those are going away. But it all comes down to the government share contribution. There's a set formula that OPM uses to determine the average government contribution and the maximum government contribution. So some of our more expensive plans, anything above what our contribution formula sets as the maximum government contribution, employees will be responsible for. And that kind of feeds into the work we do at OPM. Uh, and I'll do our first plug for our open season website. Uh, www.opm.gov slash open season and all the information we make available as individuals can come in, take a look at their current plan for 2023. What are the costs going to be for 2024 for premiums? Our premiums are posted at the website. What benefit changes are coming about? We encourage everyone to go on, take a look at your plan. Are the benefit changes? Do you like these benefit changes? Um, do you like the premium? If that's why we make the information available, and that's why we have the open season opportunity to look at your options, consider changes, and go ahead and make the changes in the best interest of you and your family members. Are there any notable changes this year amongst the plans in benefits? Uh, there are certain things that we are promoting for benefits for uh, for 2024. There's a lot of emphasis now on fertility benefits. Um, that's something that OPM has made some significant enhancements for 2024. Uh, we've also done enhancements for um, gender-affirming care services, which is an emphasis of the current administration. Um, maternal health, uh, OPM remains dedicated to addressing inequities in maternal health. We've done prevention and treatment of obesity. As everyone knows, obesity has costs, uh, medical costs inherent with it. So we're trying to uh, increase some of the benefits to, uh, to combat obesity. And also mental health and substance use disorder. There's unfortunately a lot of, of issues involved in that, that there needs to be a lot of treatment. So there's different things that OPM has set as incentives that we wanted our plans to increase our coverage for for 2024. 
A couple of moments ago, we were talking about the formula that is, drives the government contribution and the, the enrollee contribution. And uh, the way in which the formula is based is, is the average weighted premium. That is, the more folks that are in the plan, the larger weight the premium has on the government contribution. Now, the overwhelming majority of FEHB participants, almost two-thirds of them, participate in one of the two Blue Cross Blue Shield government-wide plans. How will they fare if they stick with the Blues next year? I'm not aware of any particular Blue Cross and Blue Shield changes. Again, this is why we emphasize that even if you consider yourself satisfied with your current plan, to go in and take a look and see what is changing. We have the FHB brochures on our website, the open season page. You can go and you take a look at the benefits. We have a change page if you want to take a quick look and see what the changes are for next year. I'm not familiar with anything specific to Blue Cross and Blue Shield other than the general OPM initiatives that I discussed a couple minutes ago. I myself am enrolled in Blues, and I'll need to go in and take a look myself and see what the benefit impacts would be for Blues. And, you know, I need to do some further consideration myself. I always kind of use myself as an example. I'm an FHB enrollee myself, and I need to take a look at the materials OPM presents and see if my enrollment in Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the right plan to be in and changing medical situations. Um, as I get older, my medical needs change. Um, my wife's needs change. Is it something going to take a look at every year that, you know, the plan you enrolled in, you know, potentially 30 years ago when you first started your federal career may not be the best choice anymore. You had said a couple of moments ago that the average premium increase for FEHP plans compare um, favorably uh, with the premiums of large private sector plans or you know, other public sector plans. Is this something that OPM looks at as they negotiate the rates uh, during the negotiation process with the plans? I'm not sure we really look at it during negotiating the rates. If, if OPM decides, you know, there's certain coverages we want based on initiatives of the administration or whatever changing, you know, kind of medical practice is, then it's something that, you know, we'll go ahead and negotiate. But we do benchmark ourselves. And one of the benchmarks is the CalPERS Board of Administration. This is the, uh, the health insurance program for California state employees and retirees. For 2024, their average increase was 10.77%. We benchmark ourselves against the business group on health survey of large employers. They expect a 6% increase in 2024. Uh, we also benchmark ourselves against PricewaterhouseCoopers, and they're projecting a 7% medical cost trend in 2024, up from 6% in 2023. So we don't really look at these when it comes to negotiations, but it, it's how we kind of benchmark ourselves. And, you know, and again, we always seem to be kind of in line with these, which means it's nothing that we're doing. And the thing is, if we're, you know, kind of maintain the same cost increase these others are, while at the same time we're adding benefits, like we just went through what the OPM benefit initiatives are, I think it shows OPM is doing a pretty good job of, of, of that mix between premium increase and also benefit increase. Have we, you know, we've talked about benefit enhancements. Has there been any benefit reductions recently in FEHBP plans? I mean, generally. None that I know of, but again, this is what, you know, you kind of need to go take a look at. It's that, you know, did a plan may have raised a, a co-payment for services. They may have raised a co-insurance. Hearing that there's one plan that increased its 
out-of-pocket maximum, and that's the amount you have to pay before the plan starts to pay full benefits. So there's the things that the plans do that I, I don't go and look at all the plan brochures. Again, this is why we emphasize the need to go and take a look. But there's things plans do to offset some of those premium premium increases, and you know the one that I just mentioned that you know, increase your out-of-pocket maximum. It's something that doesn't affect many people, but it does some. So that could be some way that an increase in your out-of-pocket maximum could be something that was increased that you really need to go take a look at, but may have been done to offset a, 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 an overall premium increase. Interestingly, the three things that one looks at, since a lot of the benefits, like you know, medical benefits, mental health benefits, the broad category of benefits are comparable amongst all the FEHBP plans. The three aspects that people tend to look at to see what their out-of-pocket costs are going to be will be what is the deductible if there is a deductible, what is the copayment and what is the out-of-pocket limit or the catastrophic limit? Is that a good benchmark by which an individual ought to evaluate plans? I mean, that, it's, it's something good to look at. I mean, you know, the last time I made a benefit change was involving prescription drugs. And, you know, I had to do a calculation that if I would pick a cheaper plan, what was going to be the impact on prescription drugs? And, you know, I kind of looked at what drugs my wife and I were taking. And it's just like, well, you know, if, if, if I basically take a lower option in the plan, it's going to save me a definitive amount of premiums, I know. And then I kind of took a look and see, well, what would my mine and my wife's drugs look like under that other plan we were considering? And the trade-off, the, pre, the lower premiums more than offset the what we'd have to pay more in drugs. So it's, it's really a balancing act that you have to take. And it, it, it takes some time to do this and some research. I know a lot of people don't really want to put time into open season. I heard one time that people spend more time uh, researching a new television set than they will open season. And I'm probably guilty of that myself. But you know, there's a lot of information OPM put out there. We really want people to use it and and to take a look and, and make these comparisons. To the to um, that point, you know. to that point, Jay, about 95% of FEHB participants do not change plans during the open season. Now, that could be a good strategy, depending if you're happy with your plan, or it could be a bad strategy. How deeply do you have to get into the analysis to make that change? First of all, your point is, is true and it's well taken. We usually see probably around a five, maybe six percent take up in people making changes. And of course, a lot of that has to do with people that are forced to make changes. For instance, I really don't want to get a lot of significant events, but Humana Health plans, they're all leaving the FHB program. Humana is getting out of the employer group insurance, so it's nothing particular to FEHB. It's just a business decision made by Humana. So all people in Humana plans are going to have to look for another plan during open season. The number of people that actually sit there and take a look at their benefits and make a decision to change plans or options, yeah, it is about 5%, which honestly, you know, is it a good thing or bad thing? You're right. It's either 95% are happy they picked the right plan, even though we don't kind of believe that, or the other possibility is that they, you know, they've just stayed where they are. You know, I kind of mentioned earlier, people enrolled in the same plan for 30 years. They enrolled in the same plan or option when they joined the government 30 years ago and have never changed. We know that happens. 
And we're really trying to encourage people to kind of break that habit and consider a different plan, consider a, a different option to your current plan. I'm glad you mentioned about the, hum- the issue of Humana leaving the plan, because if one looks at the number of plans in FEHBP this year as compared to the previous year, you would notice that we've dropped from uh, 271 plans to 159, and I assume that's attributable to Humana leaving. Correct. It is, a, a lot of it is. There's some other significant events. I believe the number you use, 157. Uh, two more plans have dropped. Okay. Um, uh, physicians, uh, Indiana University physician plan dropped um, after we had kind of had our rolled out, and there was another one that, I'm, unfortunately, I'm drawing a blank on this dropped out. But, yeah, a, a lot of that drop. It is the Humanis. Humanis had a lot of plans in a lot of states. Now, they only had about 10,000 or so enrollees, I believe, but they did have a lot of plans. So if, if anyone looks at our significant events document for plans that are terminating at the end of 2023, you will see a large number of Humana plans. I just want to, I want to come back to the degree to which one has to examine the benefits, the premiums, and so forth. It is interesting to note that a few, not many, but there were a few plans in which if you enroll as self and family, it might be less than enroll in self plus one. Could you explain that or how significant that is? I can try to explain it, and it is it is somewhat significant. So, you know, several years ago, we brought out self plus one, and OPM's requirement is that self plus one, the premium that actually goes to the carriers is less for self plus one than self and family. What catches us, it's that government contribution formula we briefly talked about earlier. So it's just the way the the formula runs, it's based on a weighted average of all the people in a plan in an enrollment type. And unfortunately it does create a situation where there are, and for 2024, there's now 48 um, options where self plus one premium is greater than the self and family premium. Now that number dropped. 2023 was 86. A lot of the plans have self plus one premiums higher than self and family were in fact Humana plans. So the number dropped from 86 in 2023 to 48 in 2024. But we did want to you know make known that it, the issue's still there. That a lot of that number drop was due to Humana departing FDHB. Um, and we do emphasize for individuals that. If you're in a plan where self plus one is higher than self and family, you can enroll in self and family with only one eligible family member. There's nothing in FDHB law or regulations to stop you from doing that. I believe we put together the list of the plans and options with self plus one higher. We've shared that with the federal agencies. So you may be getting some type of communication from the agency, or in this case, the Postal Service, regarding that. But, you know, again, this is part of that education process. Go in and take a look at the premiums, the information we have on our website. Self plus one's higher than self and family. Go ahead and enroll in self and family. We have absolutely no problem or issue with that. Now, some plans permit enrollees to contribute to a health savings account. Most FEHBP participants, if not all, can participate in a flexible spending account. Can you discuss the difference between the two? So I can try. It's complicated. The flex, the health savings account is tied to enrollment in a high deductible health plan. 
And these are plans that, as they say, they have a higher deductible, but part of your premium goes into this um, health savings account, which you can use to pay for some of your medical expenses, um, such as your co-payments, your co-insurance, your deductibles, et cetera, et cetera. That's tied to a high deductible health plan. Um, the one other session I was in actually earlier this morning, there was uh, one person speaking to how a lot of people should consider these high deductible health plans, that they are a good deal. and You can save yourselves a lot of money on premiums and also by paying for some services out of that health savings account. So health savings account tied to high deductible health plan. Flexible spending account is just a tax advantage savings. It's not tied to a particular health plan. If you're eligible for FDHB, you can go ahead and enroll in a flexible spending account. Um, I am myself. It's, it's a very good deal. We wish we had more people enrolled. Uh, the number of people that have enrolled that are not nearly what we would like to see. We think it's beneficial. To, honestly, every federal employee um, and postal employee in this case, too, can go ahead and take advantage. And that's where you have a certain amount of your income is set aside before you pay taxes on it. And that money is then allowed for you to use for eligible medical expenses, doctor's visits, prescription drugs, eyeglasses, dental care. They're all eligible expenses under FSA feds. And you would then be reimbursed. Uh, you, you pay into your FSA out of withholdings from your salary. That money's then set aside without any taxes being paid on it. And then you troll out of that account with your claims. And it's all done through FSA feds. My plan does what's called paperless reimbursement. I never see a claim. It's all done automatically. I'll get an email from FSA feds that a claim's in process and money's been deposited in my bank account. And I don't have to file claims or anything with FSA feds. And it's really a good idea. And we know there's some hesitancy on picking it up because there's always that forfeiture aspect. Uh, money that isn't used would have to be forfeited. But there's at least $600 you can carry over from one year to the next. You can start the minimum of $100 if you're a little bit, you know, worried about FSA, FSA feds. Kind of, you know, stick your toe in the water a little bit. You can put away as little as $100, and that'll, you know, almost everyone's going to have $100 worth of medical expenses just to get you kind of used to to how it operates and, and also what the savings are. Personally, I max out for my health care. Uh, my wife and I have enough health care services. We easily max it out, and it's tremendous tax savings. One of the last issues I'd like to talk with you about is, and it's probably one of the most complicated, is that the way in which FEHB interacts with Medicare, or so-called Medicare coordination of benefits. Within that context, could you talk a little bit about how there are a number of FEHB plans that will actually waive the Part B premium that Medicare charges or part of it? So what we've been doing over the years is trying to get more uh, people to enroll Medicare Part B. That's an option for federal employees. Uh, most people take Medicare Part A. It's premium free. Premium associated with Medicare Part B. So if a, a lot of federal employees have not taken Medicare Part B, which means FDHB would have been the primary payer for them even after they've retired. So we've always done try to encourage so uh, people to take up Medicare Part B. So some plans offer a full Medicare Part B reimbursement. For individuals also enroll in the carrier's Medicare Advantage plan, so that's another option for Medicare Advantage. Some plans offer a Medicare Part B incentive, uh, co-pay, co-insurance, or deductible waivers, and, and they've been around for a long time. So what the plans realize is that by the FHB plan being a secondary payer, Medicare pays the primary bill that there gives some extra incentives 
for the Medicare Part B enrollees because the FHB plan is not paying primary. Mm-hmm. And then we have some plans that just offer a Part B premium reimbursement. They're willing to reimburse part of the premiums for Medicare to get their enrollees in FEHB to also take up Medicare Part B. So there's a lot of incentives out there. We do encourage, once again, all these incentives are spelled out in the individual plan brochures that individuals can go look and see what kind of incentives there are for Medicare Part B enrollment, whether it's copay, deductible, or whether it's a full Medicare Part B or partial Medicare Part B premium reimbursement. So uh, lots of things out there. This kind of leads us to the brochures. You know, our brochures, the official stated uh, statement of benefits between the government and the individual carrier, all the information is laid out in our plan brochures. We encourage everyone to look at their plan brochures for 2024. Again, we talked about earlier, there will be benefit changes and all likely premium changes also. Um, the information is completely and thoroughly spelled out in the plan brochures, and they're also available on our open season website. Last question. Separate and apart from FEHBP are the dental and vision benefits that are uh, available through FedVIP. Can you talk just a little bit about Anything new in in those benefits? I think there's a couple changes in FedVIP. I'm just kind of taking a look over the notes. Um, Some important new features for FedVIP while minimizing changes in premiums. Some of the changes are uh, seven dental carriers have added coverage for the use of nitrous oxide when medically necessary. Two vision carriers increased the frame allowance dollar amount for glasses, and one vision carrier reduced co-pays for materials on their high option to $0 and reduced their exam co-pay to zero in their standard option. So again, this is something, you know, you go and take a look at the FedVIP brochures, also available on our, our open season website. Take a look at those brochures, see what benefits are, are changing. I don't think FedVIP generally has as extensive benefit changes as FDHB does, but there are certain ones that come in there. Um, each year. Very and, and also the premiums for FedVIP if you're already enrolled. Definitely check out the premiums for next year. Very good. Last pitch. What is the website for uh, Open Season? Okay. www.opm.gov slash Open Season. I want to thank Jay Fritz once again for joining us this week on Naps Chat for the fifth year in a row. So thanks a lot for joining us, Jay. Thanks, Bob. Glad to do it. And all of our listeners should familiarize themselves with the many options available at the OPM website and act upon it. And I want to thank NapsChat listeners for logging on today. If you enjoy NapsChat, please leave us a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more importantly, share NapsChat with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, stay safe. And during this open season particularly, stay healthy. I'm going to stand right down and right myself a letter and make me